Well, good morning. I take it from that you can hear me okay? That's good. I always like to do it. Y'all got wonderful tech people here. In fact, this is a wonderful church. First time I've ever visited here. And from the moment I walked in, I felt good, okay? And uh, y'all got the sound system going. I was speaking at a Methodist church in Winchester, and I thought I was doing a wonderful job. And, of course, my mic wasn't on, so the only people that heard me were down in the front row. I always check. I always check. It is a blessing to be with you this morning. It's wonderful to be able to visit your church for the first time. I, uh, I am impressed. This is beautiful. I've got some brothers and sisters here already. Y'all have some Gideons in this church. In fact, I think you got more Gideons in this church than any other church in Shelbyville. So uh, if the Gideons that are in the audience would stand up, please. Just stand up and wave your arms around so you can see when there's Paul back there up in the balcony. Thank you, brothers. Thank you. And they'll be the ones at the back, and uh, I'll step down there too if, uh, when you're ready to, uh, if you want to donate some money to our ministry, we appreciate that. Uh, I guess I'd introduce myself and say my name is Tom Mailer. Uh, I'm an Air Force veteran for 25 years, and I got here after I retired. Thank you. After I retired from uh, the Air Force, I went to a work, for work for a company in Tullahoma called Swerver. Some of y'all may remember that, which very quickly became Jacobs Engineering. So that's what got me here. And my wife and I were so glad to get back in the South that we've stayed ever since. So here we are. It's been 23 years. So praise the Lord. We're glad to be here. I live in Winchester. And I got one other confession. Well, I'm going to make a couple of confessions this morning. But I'm going to have to start with something where I'm going to have to ask some of your forgiveness. I grew up in Athens, Georgia. <laughs> I grew up around the football team. I actually played touch football with Francis Tarkington and Jake Scott. Okay, so I got a bad case of Bulldog. <laughs> so all you Tennessee and Alabama fans, just forgive, forgive me for that, if you would, please. By the way, Tennessee did play awfully well yesterday. That was the best game anybody's given Georgia all year. So, uh, You know, I do want to do something a little bit unusual. I want to start my presentation this morning with a confession. I'm going to end it a little bit different too. But I'm going to start it with a confession. It's a confession about a weakness of mine. That's okay. I'm going to start with a confession. And the confession is this. While I love to read scripture, I'm a Greek Gideon. That's not my confession. My confession is this. Sometimes when I read it, I find the words really challenging. Amen? Challenging in the sense, not in the sense that I have trouble understanding them. 99.9% .9 of the time, the Bible is real clear. My problem is, am I man enough to live up to what I just read? That's the challenge. Can we do what we know is true? And I want to start this morning with just a few words from Brother James, the Epistle of James, that I think you all know. And I'm just going to read a few verses from the start of chapter of uh, chapter one, verse two. And I think you all are probably familiar with these verses. Brother James was a, not a soft-spoken man. He said what he meant, and this was one of those times. He said, count it all as joy, my brothers, when you meet 
trials of various kinds. Count it all as joy when you meet trials. Now here's my confession. Like I'm sure most of you, I've encountered a few trials in my life. Amen? Joy is not the first word that comes to my mind most of the time. I struggle with feeling joy when I'm facing a real challenge, a real trial. And why do I believe, begin with that confession this morning? The last 20 months, the last two years, have been a trial for the Christian world. Ever since COVID hit, we have had a trial going on. And we've all felt it. We felt it at the personal level. We felt it at the level of our churches, not being able to hold services. So many churches couldn't hold services. My church was having to do Zoom meetings, and we were even giving services at a drive-in outside of Tullahoma just so we could carry on. And the Gideon ministry. The Gideon ministry went through a time of trial too because our nature is to be out in the world, in the highways and byways. We couldn't go there, not as much as we wanted to. We couldn't speak to churches like I'm doing today because churches were closed. We couldn't do a lot of our distributions at college campuses, even in prisons and places like that where we hand out Bibles because they were worried about COVID and we couldn't, couldn't do there. We couldn't hold the meetings, the monthly meetings and the various types of conferences and stuff we have for our membership because of COVID. We couldn't even have our international convention. Well, I guess it stands to reason that we couldn't have our international convention last year where Gideons come from 200 nations around the world and spend a week together in the ministry. Last year, it was going to be in Nashville, Tennessee. It was going to be the biggest international convention we had ever had. And I'll tell you something I'm thankful for. I'm thankful I live in Tennessee. I love Tennessee. And apparently so do a lot of other people. Because the minute we announced that it was going to be in Nashville, more people signed up from that from all over the world than we had ever had in our history. 110-year history was going to be the, by far the largest convention we ever had. We had to close it, shut it down. We had to go to a Zoom meeting instead. It was painful. It was painful. These were not fun times. I had trouble counting a lot of that as joy. But I should have. Because I need to read the, la the rest of that verse. The rest of those verses. It's always bad to take a phrase out of Scripture and not complete the sentence. So I'm going to complete, I'm going to read the whole thing and complete the sentence. Count it all as joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the, that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Our trials are what make us grow. Our trials are how we really learn to be Christians. So when we're going through them, we need to keep our eyes, our ears, our hearts, and our minds open so we can learn whatever we're supposed to learn from the trials. As long as we're in this fallen world, there are going to be trials. And you know, I learned from COVID-19. I learned to respect a lot of people I hadn't shown proper respect for. Like the people that stock shelves and stores. 
people that keep track of that inventory, the, the folks that drive the trucks that make sure the stuff we need to live gets there. I got a whole new appreciation of those folks. People in hospitals. Of course, the medical professionals. But what about the people who just keep the hospital clean? Couldn't operate without those people. Or the people that show up every day and cook the meals in a hospital or a prison. Couldn't go on without these people. So I've got a whole new appreciation for a lot of people that I didn't have until the trial came and opened my eyes. And i tell you something else I learned, and this is maybe the most important thing of all. It is critically important that we as Christians, whether in the Gideon ministry or as members of churches, meet face to face and look each other in the eye. I truly missed being able to go to my church and see my brothers and sisters, to go into churches speaking as a Gideon and see my brothers and sisters. God created us to be in fellowship, and we need to be in fellowship. So we as Gideons learned that lesson. We learned those lessons too. After a time, we decided that COVID-19 had had enough, and we started meeting again. We had a state convention. We had an international convention this year. You have to go on with the ministry. Some folks got sick, a few, but you have to go on with the ministry. And that's what we started doing, and I'm so grateful for it. And I'm so grateful I can be here with you this morning and speak face-to-face -face and share with you in our ministry. Because that's what God wants. That's the way God wants us to be. So we're learning things. We're learning things. And of course, as Gideons, we were members of a worldwide organization. As I've already said, said 200 nations, 260,000 men and women involved in this ministry in 200 nations. There are not a lot of corporations that can say that. Okay? So we get to see the world and know what's going on. And we were cut off from that world. And we're just now starting to be able to get back together with them and go into those countries and hand out Bibles and witness. And by the way, that is something we as Americans never do alone. We only go into countries where we're invited, where there are only already Gideon citizens of that nation with feet on the ground there to show us around. And some of the places we go, it has to be that way because you can get killed if you don't know what you're doing in some of those, those countries. So we see the world because we go there. And what I want to do is share with you this morning some of the lessons we've learned from our brothers and sisters in other nations as we go out into the world. But I want to assure you that as we go, we go with boldness and purpose. I told you I'm a military man, retired Air Force. I know an order when I hear one. And the Lord Jesus Christ gave us an order. He gave us our marching orders. And I think you all know it, the Great Commission from Matthew 28, 8 through 18 through 20. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. Go into all the nations, making them to disciples, teaching that's our orders. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And we do it with a boldness because we know we're going to succeed. We know we're going to succeed. 
Our primary verse is Isaiah 55, 11, that says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. God's word does not go out void. If God's word goes out, results will happen. And we know that's true because God's word is, po is powerful. Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God's word goes all the way in. It changes us. It makes us somebody new. And we see that all over the world. And I want to share with you some of the things we're seeing as we go out into the world, in different parts of the world. The person, before I do that, forgot to make one really important point. As we go out into the world, as we work the Great Commission, I want you to understand something about the Gideon ministry. We cannot do it. We cannot do it alone. We have to go in partnership with churches. We have to be backed up by churches because we're not big enough and we're not powerful enough to do the whole mission. Let me use military terms if you don't mind. If you don't mind. We used to talk of certain types of soldiers being skirmishers. They were the very first troops that engaged the enemy. They were the, the point of the spear, the very first ones that would engage the enemy. They were usually very lightly armed, and had to move fast. And their sole job was just to slow them down, get their attention. But they couldn't win the battle. If the rest of the army didn't get there, it wasn't going to turn out real well. The, the skirmisher's job was to be the first point of engagement. And that's who the Gideons are. We are your skirmishers. We go into the highways and byways of the world, into prisons, into the some of the most awful places you can imagine and some of the best places. Or maybe you're not able to go. But with your help, we carry God's Word. And with the help of the local churches and with your churches and with the missionaries you sponsor, you're the army that comes in behind us. And then we can start creating disciples and training people in God's Word. It takes us all. So we're just part of your team. We're just part of your team as we go out into the world. And, and we are seeing so many interesting things in the world. Um, I was talking to a gentleman from France named Jean-Marc Dawali. Jean-Marc lives in northwest France, up near the Belgian border. And he was telling me, telling a group of us what it was like to, uh, to be a Gideon, be a Christian in France. France is officially secular. That's the way their laws are, which to me is a polite way of saying godless. That's the way they are. And they don't like for people to witness on the street and that sort of thing, anti-proselytizing laws and that sort of thing. i tell you how severe it is. Gideons give out testaments and Bibles to the military. That's what they do. one of the things they do. If you give a testament like this to a French military member, and they're in uniform, and they accept it, they're likely to be court-martialed. You reckon that stops the Christians in France from witnessing to people? Does that stop the Gideons from witnessing? Not a chance. 
All you got to do is just wait till that individual you want to talk to is out of uniform a little later, and you go talk to them. You talk to people privately. You talk to people whenever you can. The nations can pass all the laws they want. As it's Psalm 2, the heathen can rage all they want. But the Holy Spirit isn't going to quit His work. So if we are faithful to witness, people will be converted. And that happened in France. As a young lady, teenager, who was having a troubled teenage period of her life. Anything unusual about that? Common for teenagers. This young lady was struggling with a lot of things. In some way, she got one of these little Gideon pocket testaments, the Gospel, Psalms, and Proverbs. You can carry it in a shirt pocket. This young lady got that. And she started reading it. And she was deeply troubled, but she knew something special was going on there. She didn't have a background in Christianity. But she had a school teacher that she loved. A school teacher that knew the Gideon ministry. And she didn't know that, but she knew that she cared about the school teacher, so she called her. And the school teacher immediately knew who she was talking to and knew this was a troubled young lady. And the young lady said, I've got this Bible. You know, should I read it? Should I? Well, praise the Lord, this was a Christian woman. And she said, yes. Yes, honey, you should read that Bible. And she actually knew how the Gideon Bible was structured, and she started walking her through it. She said, you know, if you'll open up to the front of that Bible, of course it was in French, you need to open up to the front of that Bible, and you'll find a, self, a section called Help in Times of Need. So you're suffering anxiety right now. Let's go through the, the verses in the Bible that talk to anxiety or fear or depression. She started walking her through God's Word to the specific concerns this young lady had. And then when they got through with that, she said, now, young lady, you need to open the back of that Bible too. Because in the back of that Bible, you're going to find God's plan of salvation. The Romans road is right there. And she said, you, you need to go through that. You need to read it. And you need to make a decision. And oh, by the way, if you do, there's a place where you can sign your name and put the date and begin a new life right now. Well, the, the end of the story is that young lady did read that Bible. And she signed that back page. And she became a Christian, joined the local church, and is doing fine right now. Amen. They can pass all the laws they want, want to. They're not going to stop the Holy Spirit. So while Jean Marc was telling this story, there was a man from the Ivory Coast of Africa. That's on the west coast of Africa. He was the Western Africa Regional Director for the Gideons, Simon Ruamba. And he was listening to this, and he said, you know, guys, that's interesting. He said, you will not find the kind of resistance in Western Africa, and his area includes Nigeria and places like that, he said, you will not find the kind of resistance in Western Africa that you find in France. If you come and do a Bible distribution in my area, people are going to rejoice that you're there. They're going to welcome you with open arms. The people on the streets will be so happy and they'll take the Bibles and they'll listen to your witnessing and they're just going to be so glad you're there. But you might have another problem. If you do that in Nigeria, somebody might kill you. Because Nigeria is full of terrorists. 
from one end to the other. It's, it's many, many Christians. But as you go up into northern Nigeria, that's where the Boko Haram and groups like that are. And they will kill you. You think that stops the Gideons or the Christians in Nigeria? Not even close. They distribute Bibles all the time. We do Bible blitzes in Nigeria. And it's not safe. A Gideon from Manchester was doing a Bible blitz in Lagos, Nigeria, their very large national capital, and a firebomb went off right where he was standing, near where he was standing. That's Nigeria. Dangerous place, but we go anyway. And God's word will not return void. And we say, well, what about the Muslims? They must surely ignore you. Let me tell you about this friend that was standing near the firebomb. He was doing a street distribution with fellow Nigerian Gideons there in Lagos. And a guy rides up to him on a motorcycle and he says, you got to go with me. Think about this. You're in Lagos, Nigeria. A stranger rides up on a motorcycle says, hop on. you got to go with me. He said, I'm a factory owner and I want you to distribute those Gideon Bibles in my factory. So Gary trusted the Lord got a big box of Gideon Bibles and had to balance on the back of that motorcycle while that motorcyclist wove through Lagos, Nigeria, which is one of the craziest places on earth, to get to that factory. And he got there and people were rejoicing to receive those Bibles. Rejoicing. But he saw a lady that was a Muslim. And she was standing over in the corner. You could tell she was Muslim. You know, had that... Muslim attire. And he, she was just looking at him. And Gary said to the factory owner, should I give her, her a Bible? And the factory owner said, oh no, you know, she's a Muslim. She'll never accept that. But Gary kept giving out the Bibles and looking over this woman. And they made eye contact. They were looking right at each other. And the spirit moved inside of Gary. He knew he better not let this opportunity pass. So as the Bible distribution was coming to an end there, Gary didn't say a word. He just stood and looked toward that woman and took a scripture like that, this and held it up so she could see it. She looked at him. He, he looked at her. And she ran across the room, tore it out of his hand, and put it down into her clothes. Do you think the Word of God is going to return void? Things like that are happening all over the Muslim world. Went into a um, Muslim school in Indonesia. Muslim schoolmaster said, can we distribute Christian Bibles in this Muslim school? Now you'd think the answer would be no. This schoolmaster said, yes. Probably more open than some people in the United States are. Said, go ahead. I, people need to have all sorts of works of faith. You know, yeah, distribute them. So this Muslim schoolmaster allows a distribution of Bibles in his school. And they go on and they do other things and travel around Indonesia. And then they come back by the school sometime later. And they go in to see the schoolmaster, see how things were going. He said, you know, my mother was right. And they said, what? She said, when I was being raised, he said, I should, she told me I should never read a Christian Bible. Because if I do, I'll become a Christian. Opened up his testament, 
name and date on the back page, a Muslim schoolmaster had become a Christian. And he's a Gideon now. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know, the Word of God does not return void. Things are happening all over the place. And one more about Muslims. You know, a lot of Muslims have come into Europe, and at first they go into basically immigrant camps, and they're there trying to, you know, understand what their next steps are going to be. Gideons will go in and distribute Bibles to these folks. And there was a Gideon from Germany that was in one of these camps in Germany, and he handed out Bibles, and four young men took the Bibles in their 20s. He said, do you want a Christian Bible? They said, yeah. And he said, we know what doesn't work. You know, we're, we're willing to look around and consider some other options. So they got their testaments, and these Gideons left. And then they came back sometime later, and the four young men were still there. And they said, how's this going? They said, well, it's going real well. We signed the back page. We're Christians now. And we changed our names to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. <laughs> the Word of God will not return void. It will not re return void. Things are happening all the time. We need to be in special prayer, though, for some of the, our brothers and sisters in certain countries. And I particularly want to highlight China. China has been on a very strange journey in the last few years. You know, for many years, they were just absolutely opposed to anything Christian coming in. And then the current regime, which is not, well, I'll go on about them, but when the current regime first came in, they actually opened the doors up to Christians again. They allowed people to practice openly. They encouraged the Gideons to print and distribute Bibles in China. And we distributed millions of them. And revivals were happening. It was like the Great Awakening. People were coming out of the woodwork. The, the, the idea that the communists shut down Christianity in China is ridiculous. The, the Christians were there, and they were just waiting for the door to open back up again. And they would have revival meetings that would go on for weeks. People coming and accepting the Lord every day. And crosses were prop, popping up all over town. You look out over the countryside and see church crosses on tops of all sorts of buildings. There's a time of great revival in China, and it scared the government to death. So what's happened is they've cracked back down again. They've made people take down crosses. They're trying to kind of get rid of all the churches that aren't in line with their way of thinking. And they're really persecuting the Christians there. They also persecute Muslims. They persecute anybody of any religion there. But they are cracking down hard on the Christians. And it's gone really hard. I mean, it's gone to the point where, not with people in them, but churches have been blown to the ground, leveled off. We need to pray for our brothers and sisters in China. We need to pray that those doors will open up again and that that growth will grow again. Had this crackdown not occurred... If it had gone on the way it was going on, China would have soon had more Christians than any other nation on earth. But they didn't want that. So, real crackdown occurring there. Real crackdown occurring there. India, too. We distribute a lot of Bibles in India. There's a big demand for Bibles. And a 
traditionally Hindu nation, big demand for Bibles there, and we distribute a lot of Bibles. They want them. But the party that's in control of India right now is the Hindu Nationalist Party, and they're trying to suppress Christianity. So China and India, for sure, are two nations where we need to pray for the brothers and sisters because they are under persecution, as they are a lot of places, as they are, of course, in the Middle East and a lot of other places. But it doesn't stop things. They actually did a Bible distribution in Syria. Think about that one. Uh, things are going on. Things are going well in South America. The evangelistas, as they call them, are doing quite well, and we're able to distribute lots of Bibles, and it's making a difference. And also in America, also in America, we go into the highways and byways in America. I have a friend that did a Bible distribution at the University of California, Berkeley. Think about that. Went fine. Young people were glad to accept Bibles. And it's New York City. New York City can be pretty rough. Go there every year. When the Gideons go there, they go into places where the police will not go. They'll accompany them so far, but they say, if you're going to go in there, you've got to go on your own. So the Gideons just go on. Distribution was going on in one of these places where it was so dangerous. And there was this older woman kind of sitting out on a set of steps looking at the Gideons and just staring at them. They didn't know why, but they kept handing out Bibles. People were accepting Bibles on the street in the worst parts of New York. And she just kept looking at them. And after a while, she walked over to the Gideons, and they didn't know whether she was coming over for them. She might try to run them off or something. And she walked up to them and said, Praise the Lord. You don't know how long I've prayed that somebody would come into this neighborhood and do what you're doing. So right in America, we're doing it too. And that's your ministry. That's a ministry you share with us. The support you give us enables us to carry on these ministries in the highways and the byways of the world. I'm almost done. I've got one more thing I'm going to do, but, but I do want to close in a little bit different way here today. What can you do to help us? Well, you already are. You allow members of your congregation to be Gideons. And you cannot be a Gideon unless the senior pastor of your congregation tells Gideon International that it's okay for, you to, for that person to be a Gideon. Okay? So every one of the Gideons you have was approved to get in. And we need that. And if, if any of you are, would consider this ministry, please talk to one of us about that. You're also helping us a lot by allowing me to come speak, by allowing Gideons to come in. I don't think you're going to see a lot of coverage of the Gideons or any other ministry on CNN. Okay? The only way people know what we do is for us to come talk to you face-to-face, which is the right way to do it. So I thank you for that. You know, there's something else you can do for us too, and this is really important. Please pray for us. Please pray for us. People are obviously going in harm's way here. This is difficult business. Pray that doors will be open, that God will shield and protect the Gideons all over the world that they are doing this mission. We need God's protection as we do that. There's another way you can help us. Uh, Gideon cards. 
if you want to send a card to memorialize somebody or wish them a happy birthday or whatever, Gideon cards always buy Bibles. So, you know, we, we encourage you to do that. And then, as has already been said, might consider a financial contribution to the Gideons. If that's on your heart, if you feel led to give money to us, I can promise you it'll go to the right place. We don't waste your money. Any idea how many Bibles the Gideons has handed out in 110 years? 2.3 billion. By far the largest Bible distribution organization that has ever existed in the history of the world. About a fourth of all the Bibles that have ever been printed are Gideon Bibles. God called us to cover the earth was his word. We're pretty well doing it. And for those of you who love prophecy as I do, what does it say about when God's word is distributed everywhere? We're not quite there, but we're getting close, folks. We're getting close. So praise the Lord. Join us and we can make that happen. So your financial contributions, these Bibles, we, we don't waste your money. A little pocket testament like this cost $1.25 distributed. The production, all the way to putting it in somebody's hand, is $1.25. A big Bible like this, all the way to being placed in a hotel or a hospital or wherever it might be, $5. $5. We, we have very good publishing networks, and they keep, they keep the prices down. And this much I can assure you, every dollar you give to buy Bibles will buy and distribute Bibles. Now, the Gideons are a big organization. We got a headquarters in Nashville. It's beautiful. If you ever get a chance to go in there, it's like going to a faith museum and people will show you around. But the cost of running that headquarters, the indirect cost of the Gideons, is paid 100% by Gideons themselves. It comes out of our own pockets. So if you give money to us for Bibles, it's going to buy Bibles. So if that's on your heart, we'll have people down here today and uh, certainly welcome your participating in our ministry in that way. I'm going to finish here. I think I'm okay on time. I'm going to finish here. Uh, I began by talking about trials. And I want to do this today because trials are serious business. And there may be some of you today, some of you who are my brothers and sisters, that are going through a time of serious, serious trial. Okay? So am I. I may be pretty sick, and I'm going to find out a week from now, a week from tomorrow, whether I am or not. It's just one of those things. May not be, maybe, but I know many of y'all have probably been through that not the most fine time in the world. I've got a pastor in Winchester that's a friend of mine that's going through the same thing. And we're going to get our diagnosis the same day, a week from Monday. And I sent him, we swapped prayer texts with each other, and I sent him a text that said, you know, as we go through this, I think about the 23rd Psalm. And I think about those phrases, those verses that begin, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And I sent that to him as a prayer text. 
And he wrote me back and said, yeah, I understand. He said, you know, here's the issue. When you walk through that valley with the creator of the universe, even that valley can be beautiful. That is the hope we have. Because you know how that ends. I know goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's what we got to look forward to. There is no trial in this world that will separate us from the love of God. And that's what we need to share with the world. So if you're going through that, go home, read the 23rd Psalm, pray, and be filled with joy. Amen.